few weeks ago we looked at Elisha, a little bit about Elisha, and we're just going to go back to him and uh, learn a little bit more uh, now and again from the story of Elisha. Let's read in 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, but the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye a peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it, hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, and wrapped it together, and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. It came to pass, as they went on and talked, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, or I think the correct one is chariots of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took his own, of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And they said unto him, 
Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up, and cast him upon some mountain, or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not send. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent therefore fifty men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, we'll just leave that for a minute, go on to verse uh, 23. 23. And he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city. Or young men is, a, is apparently a better translation. And they mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tore forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel and from thence he returned to Samaria. Amazing story, isn't it? Amazing story, the whole, the whole episode. Let's recap. It was nearing the time of Elijah's departure from this life and Elisha asked him Elijah asked him what did he want what did Elisha want and Elisha said I pray thee let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me he wanted to be like his master he wanted to be like his master do we have that yearning to be like Jesus he wanted to be just like Elijah was. He realized that he didn't have this power that Elijah had within himself. What he possessed he didn't think was sufficient. He wanted his life to be fulfilled. And he wanted to be like his master. In fact he, he said let me have a double portion. He had been prepared to, to let go of his old life to follow Elijah. And he was prepared now to let go what he had to receive from God what was best for him. Do we, do we have that yearning that we want to be the best? The best for God. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies with Christ. Christ has given us these wonderful blessings in Christ Jesus. Have we grabbed them? Have we laid hold on them? Jesus said to us as Christians that he had come to give life in all its abundance. He wanted to give us the abundant life. Do we know that abundant life or do we just know life as a sort of putting in the day from one day to the next? Or is life, as Jesus said it would be, in all its abundance? We need to be filled with the spirit of God that's what Elisha was craving for that he would have his life filled with the spirit of God we used to sing that chorus didn't we running over running over my life's full and running over bubbling up within us and running over that's what our life ought to be 
that we may overflow in power. You know, we go to Galatians, you see what the fruit of the Spirit is. <clears throat> Those things, and that's what our life should be producing. Through this Spirit-filled life, we should be, but if we are led by the Spirit, and it says there what the works of the flesh are, in Galatians 5, they're manifest with fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation. You know, it, it's we look around the world, we see all these things emphasized in people's lives. Envyings, murders, that list is terrible. But it's you only have to lift up the daily paper and you'll see it on every page. Strife, heresies. You're talking there about the Archbishop of Canterbury with his heresies. Seeing the good now in the, the New Age religions. Revelings. Drunkenness. But the fruit of the Spirit. Do we want our lives to bubble over with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. You know, that's what the whole... The whole world is full of intemperance now. In every sphere of life, intemperance. I believe that the, the filling of the Spirit of God is misunderstood greatly when it is taken to mean greater spiritual experience to the receiver. If you look through scripture, you will see when one is empowered and filled with the Spirit of God, that it was never for the benefit of the receiver, but rather for the people round about. And for the work of God amongst. If we, if we exude the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it will benefit the people round about us. The love we have for them. The faithfulness towards God. Just a channel full of blessing to the thirsty hearts around to tell out thy full salvation all thy loving, loving message sound. Just a channel full of blessing. We want to be a channel of the blessing of God to other people. And Elijah had said to Elisha, the condition was, if you see me, so shall it be done unto you. <laughs> How Elisha must have kept close to his master when that was said to him. If you see me when I'm taken away from you, then it will be fulfilled. How he must have stayed close to his master all during that journey when they went from one place to the next and as he was constantly being told by the sons of the prophet that Elijah was going to be taken away from him, he must have just stood by him all the time. I'm not going to miss out on this blessing. I'm not going to I'm going to be there when this event happens. There's a, a verse uh, George reads the Amplified now and again, but I, here's another one. I was looking through the Amplified, and there's a verse in Second Corinthians three eighteen which sums this up a little bit. And all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to behold and to reflect like mirrors the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transformed into his very own image, 
in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit if we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and filling us then we will be changed from into the image of him our master if we stay close to him if we live close and walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh the Holy Spirit only comes in power to those whose eye and heart are fixed on the risen ascended son of God and glorified Christ you know the, the disciples went out with the Lord Jesus out to the Mount of Olives and when they had spo- he had spoken various things to them and while they beheld he was taken up And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went, gazing up into heaven, gazing at their Savior, they had seen the risen Lord. They had seen Jesus Christ ascending to the Father. Their eyes were fixed on him. Then they went back. And they received the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. After they had their eyes fixed on Jesus... And it is only when we keep our eyes fixed on him that then we can receive the power. That's what it was with Elisha, wasn't it? It said, when you see me, when you see me ascending, then you will receive that power. The apostles had first to believe and see the glorified risen ascended Savior and then the Spirit came in power in Acts 2. must beware of occupation with the Spirit as the center of our worship. It is the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the center of our worship. He is the center of worship in heaven. In Revelation 5 verse 9, we see this exemplified. Whom do people worship in heaven? And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and if you go on to Revelation verse 12 they're saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever it is only when Christ is exalted when Christ is preached when Christ is praised then and then only will the power of the Spirit be there for blessing. When Christ is enthroned in our lives, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then the Spirit of God will flow through us to others. Now, that was just my way of what we'd said before. We come now to the time when Elijah was just about to be taken and Elisha's prayer was answered 
you know, there are a lot of things in, the, in this passage which go on and on for a long time, but we must just pick a few things out. What Elisha wants. Before we can experience life in all its fullness, we must know and experience the dying to the old life. That is very important. They walked on together and they came to Jordan. And they passed over Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and he struck the, the Jordan and the, the waters went hither and thither. And they passed over on dry ground. As far as Elijah the, the, was concerned, this was a picture uh, that death is a conquered foe. And no longer has a hold on the believer. We've been thinking about that in the last few weeks about the, the crucifixion. Christ's victory over sin and death in the grave. Death is not a foe. As far as the Christian is, oh death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? Christ has conquered death, and for Christians, death is going asleep. The Bible always talks about believers falling asleep. It doesn't talk about believers dying, it talks about believers falling asleep. process of dying can sort of worry us perhaps and concern us but death itself death itself has been defeated by Christ it's a valley of the shadow of death it's not a valley of death for the believer for Elisha crossing the Jordan was a picture and coming back over the Jordan again was a picture of leaving the old life behind and starting his new life. What the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. And they walked along. They got over the Jordan and they were walking along. And then uh, this chariot of fire, chariots of fire came and separated them. And how was Elijah taken up into heaven? He wasn't taken up in a chariot of fire. He was taken up in a whirlwind. It says it at the beginning of the chapter. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. It doesn't say anywhere that actually he went up in the chariot of fire. And I just want to bring a little point out there. Then comes the chariots of fire, dividing them, the whirlwind. Elijah is caught up to heaven in the whirlwind. Elisha sees, the, sees it happening, and he shouts out, Father, Father! He's nearly saying, I've seen you, I, I'm here! Claiming that blessing that he was promised if he saw this event taking place. I think that's why he shouted out, My Father, my Father! The chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw them no more. And he was heartbroken. He, he rent his clothes. It's interesting, isn't it? And he picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah. He was prepared to take over the work that Elijah had been doing. He showed his willingness to be, he was submissive to the, the power of God in his life. And this noise, this whirlwind, must have made quite a noise. And what happened at Pentecost? It's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. 
the same thing that happened to Elisha, there was a rushing wind. And when the Holy Spirit came down in power at Pentecost, it was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. The same thing. When Elisha was filled here with the Spirit of God. These chariots of fire played an important part in the life of Elisha. Remember the story when he was in Dothan and he had his servant with him. And uh, when they woke up in the morning, the, the army, the enemies were surrounding the city. And the servant said, what are we going to do? God, he prayed to God, Elisha prayed and said, open the eyes of the young man. And when the young man looked, the hillsides were surrounded by chariots of fire. The Lord's army was surrounding them. Even at his death, actually, if you look down to Second uh, Kings 13, just a few chapters further on, Elisha was dying. Verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over him. They, this, they loved Elisha. He said, he was given a vision. What was the vision that Joash saw? He said, oh my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, they were still around them. They were still there. That's why the chariots were there, the chariots of fire were, were, Elijah went up in a whirlwind, but the chariots were still around Elisha. And they were with him all the time. They were with him in Dothan, they were with him during his life, they were with him in his death. God was sending those people, those angels perhaps, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Those chariots of fire played an important part in the life of Elisha. They were there. When Jesus said to his disciples, what did he say? He said the Spirit would be with them forever. He shall abide with you forever. That's the wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit is with us forever. Those chariots were around about Elisha all his life, they seemed to be there on all occasions when he needed them. But we have the indwelling Holy Spirit with us, Jesus said. He shall abide with you forever. Elijah was gone. And Elisha had made the request that he would be given this fullness of the Holy Spirit in his life. He put his faith and trust, and now he had to put his faith and trust into action. There were 50 men across the river watching what was going on. I don't think they saw the chariots of fire. I don't think they saw Elijah disappearing in, in the whirlwind, but they were there. And when he came back to the river Jordan, that river was there in front of him. It was quite a test for him, wasn't it? But he exercised the faith and trust in what God had said. If you see me, then it will be done unto you. If we see the risen Lord, if we put our faith and trust in him, then we have to put that faith into action day by day in our lives. And he had to do it in front of all these 50 prophets who were looking at him. 
Look at the life of Elijah so far. He'd left the meadow of the dance, hadn't he? He'd left the, the, the life which he had lived, a good life, but he had been prepared to leave all those luxuries at home, and he had desired the fullness of the Holy Spirit in his life. He had laid hold on God by faith. The translation of Elijah to us represents the rapture of the church. Enoch was raptured. Here was another picture. It, it, it's like the ascension of Christ. But it also it indicates that we will be taken up someday. Now, it's interesting that the, the, the reactions of the sons of the prophets are very typical of the reactions of people around us today in various churches. These prophets had kept telling Elisha that Elijah was going to be taken away. They had been given that knowledge by God that this was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. They were told it was going to happen. We have been given the scriptures to indicate God's truth and God's word in relation to this. But despite the evidence, despite the fact that they had been told by God that it was going to happen, despite the fact that when Elisha came back and told them that it had taken place, despite all that, they sought to disprove it. Amazing. They would not believe it. They said, there's 50 of us here, we have 50 men who are prepared to go and look for them. He said, don't go. God's word says, well, they said, we'd better go. And they, 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 they annoyed him so much that eventually said, well, go and look for them. Of course, they came back and said, they couldn't find them. And he said, I told you so. There's <laughs> nothing worse than being told, I told you so. But that was it. They didn't believe God's word. Many people today, who despite the evidence of scriptures, will still not believe that the rapture is a thing which will take place. They seek to disprove it. Fellows like Copes and these fellows call it a myth and, a, and, and something which they, they laugh at. And then those young men in Bethel. It's a strange story this. We, we should look into it someday. But they, they, they were like, is gone up. No doubt you'll be following him. You know, all this thing you're going to be, uh, he's been taken up mocking and scoffing the word of the prophet. Please turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 2, and we'll read a few verses there. We start at verse 9, Ezekiel chapter 2, and verse 9. And when I looked, Behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, eat that 
thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for a sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. The, the word of God completely into our innermost beings, then, and until then, we can't speak it out. I, I was looking at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21, and Paul is speaking to the Christians in Colossae, and he says, If then you died with Christ from the elements of the world, why are you under its decrees? He says, If you've died in Christ, why are you still sort of involved in the world? As living in the world. Why? 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 He says. He says. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. We shouldn't be tasting the things of the world. Because then. The things of the world will come out of us. But if we taste the word of God. Then that is what will come forth out of our mouths. What did Jesus say? He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it should be, he, should be, he shall be within us a well of water bubbling up through us. His truth, his love, his message. Going on to three four, he swallowed this he swallowed this roll and it was part of him. And we should fill ourselves with the word of God, douse ourselves with it. And in verse four he said, Son of man, go and get thee to the house of Israel and speak my words unto them. Again he is told to go and deliver God's message. Go and speak my word. And that's all this message is really this morning. That's all I could think about. 
It's God's message we have to preach. Verse 5 and 6. He says, you're not going to a people of strange language. You're not, we're not asking you to go out into the world with this message. You have to go to the house of Israel. Whose words you can't understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened. Sad thing that God had to say there, wasn't it? He said, if I had sent thee to them, they would have hearkened. But my people won't listen. My people will the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard hearted. Israel will not listen. You know, Ezekiel could have said, Well, why should I bother? You know, there's no point in me going. I'm not going to listen in any case, so I'll just forget about it. That's not the point. The point is he was to be obedient that's all he had to be obedient and that's what God wants us to be obedient but God didn't just leave him there and the next few verses we'll just look at them 8 and 9 I have made thy face strong against their faces thy forehead against strong against their foreheads as an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead, fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, for they be a rebellious house. God keeps repeating that they are rebellious. But he says, I've prepared you. I've prepared you. You're not going out in your own strength. I've made you strong. I've prepared you for this task. If you uh, obey me, if you stand up for me, if you speak my words, if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, then... I've, I've enabled you. I've given you the ability for this task. He said, I've made you strong. You're, 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 you're going to be stronger than they are. Your forehead is going to be like flint. Harder than flint. I have made thy forehead. Fear them not. Don't be dismayed, dismayed, dismayed by their looks. Because they're rebellious. And then finally in verses 10 and 11. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I speak unto thee receive in thine heart, and hear with thine ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God. Whether they will hear or whether they won't. He says, the first thing I want you to say, he says, Get it into your heart first of all. Get it into your heart first of all. And unless we do that, receive into your heart and hear with your ears. Let us get our doctrine right. Let us get uh, God's will right in our hearts and in our lives. And then he says, go, go to the exiles. It's interesting. The people he was going to were in captivity. They were in captivity to their own ideas. They were in captivity to their own thoughts about God. They were, in, in cap they, were, they were captives. And he was going to try and free them from this captivity in which they were. They were in a physical captivity, but they were also in a spiritual captivity. And, and that's what we have to go and try and encourage people to see clearly what God's word says. And how? 
by saying, Thus saith the Lord God. And he says it again, God, to, to Ezekiel. Whether they listen or whether they don't, you have to say, Thus saith the Lord God. And that's, that's what I feel God wants me to say this morning. At the start of a new year, we're going to be walking through fields with briars and thorns and scorpions and, and danger. But God has made us strong. He has made us stronger than they are. Str greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we only have to be obedient to him and to say, thus saith the Lord God.